Welcome back to the second episode of Forget Me Not. Um, after last week's uh, introductory episode, we rejoin our investigators as they have arrived at the Coach and Horses Motel um, in Clio, Michigan, after um, some mysterious and unpleasant events caused them to lose their memories and get covered in some red, sticky mud. We pick up with the introductions to our four characters and um, I will hand over to uh, the players. I'm Anton Quebec and I've just recently found out that uh, I am a uh, television star uh, in the supernatural documentary field on, and I am currently speaking with the, uh, the, the proprietor of the... Um, the hotel that we are staying at, and uh, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to finding out more. Okay, my name's Gil Fairweather. Um, I'm a young lad who's a sound engineer. Um, currently with this team, we seem to be doing supernatural investigations for a TV show. Uh, that's all we know, really. And I, and I do all the nursing as well. My character is Charlie Hogan. He's the uh, cameraman for the Supernatural Files, uh, and he also seems to be something of a computer geek. I am playing Hester Wednesday, who's the co-host of the Supernatural Files. That's about all we have about her. Okay. I think we uh, left off at a very important conversation about incontinence pads, which... uh, Which, uh, listening back, I realised I didn't actually understand what you were talking about for the first half of that conversation, which (laughs) made it even more bizarre. Um... (laughs) I think it took a moment for the man be, behind the counter an hour as well to understand what I was getting at. I was being very direct. <laughs> you were, you were. Maybe he he was, was probably in denial about his problem. Maybe that was the problem. So, Anton, I think we should just pick up with you. Um, you, uh, I'll say your, your rather interesting conversation with the receptionist of uh, the coach and lantern, not the coach and horses, the coach and lantern motel, has has finished. So um, what do you want to do right now? I want uh, to uh, encourage the man to to come and open the room five. And that, that, that I can also uh, get him one of my CDs and sign it for him that I have in my room. Yeah, you have a, like a, a hot, I guess, one entire suitcase full of them. Yeah, I need one suit and one suitcase of CDs. What is your name, monsieur? Bob, Bob Sawyer. Pleased to meet you. <laughs> Very nice to meet you, Bob. Um, I've got to say, um, I've, got, I've got a poster of you um, back in my room. Maybe you can come and sign it for me later. Certainly, mon. Is it, is it one from, uh, from recently? Is it the, the centerfold from the TV Times? <laughs> no, that no. That was a good it's, one. Um, no, it's an older one when you were doing those, um, you know, those adult movies. Oh, yes, it was a, that was a very good time. <laughs> so Bob gets up. Um, he's got a, he's, he's kind of stoops a bit. He's got a bit of a limp. He's clearly not in the best of, best of health. Um, and he um, rummages around in a drawer, pulls out uh, a key for room number five. Um, and he says, okay, um, <clears throat> yeah, this way then. And he um, he goes to the door uh, and unlocks it. And Superb. Yes. 
Yes. I would very much like to uh, knock on the door, the, the doors of the Gil and Charlie and uh, Hester, that they come, they come all with us to the room. Um, okay, uh, okay, Mr. Quebec, I'll um, I'll leave the key here with you. I um, um, I uh, trust that you will return it when you have. Um, uh, Yes. Okay. And then he heads back inside. So you you can knock uh, on the three other doors, um, and um, I guess the three of you can decide what you want to do. Uh, whether you want to accompany Anton or um... Charlie comes out and he's uh, he car- he's carrying his laptop and he says, um, "I've I've found our footage of what we're up to." Um, ah, super. The show. That is super, uh, Charlie. Hopefully, Gil's got some sound for it. Um, I'll emerge from the room. Uh, Gil emerged from the room, and uh, he was like, uh, "I've got loads of tapes, but I've got no playback." Uh, anyone else got playback? No, I I only have the CDs. There's no player. <laughs> yeah, the, um, none of you have any any playback equipment. Um, if you remember, Gil, you um, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing track of people's characters. Yeah, Gil, you you did just cough up some blood, so that yeah. probably is a bit Wait, worrying. Yeah, but I, I, you said at the end that I sat down and started yes. a bit. But, uh, yeah, okay then. No, I'm probably not going to say anything at the moment. Okay, all right, good, good. Um, so, um, Hester, are you uh, are you with us, Hester? Yes. Yeah, so I guess my question would be, Hester had some files, a number of files in the room, and, and we never got to that last session. Has she looked had a chance to look at these yet, or no? Um, I'll say that as the, you're about to look at them when the knock comes at the door and Anton is, is there at the door. So it's up to you. You can look at the files. You can go with him. Okay, so Hester's going to say in a minute and she's going to gather the files up and slide them under the mattress. Okay. And, and then she's going to go, go to the door. I love the fact that you all trust each other so much. It's wonderful. Wonderful. Um, okay, so um, you all well, then... I've never I, seen these guys before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, um, you, you are all gathered at Lynn's door, and um, I think, Anton, given that you have the key, I'll say that you're the one with your hand on the, on the doorknob. Sure. Okay, I was thinking uh, when we all were going to our rooms that, uh, that we have... The numbers are either side of the file, and uh, that maybe that was uh, another one from our party. And and, and I spoke to the, the, the man there, and uh, it is true that is Lin's. This is Lin's room, and uh, and he's given us the key. Um, and so, having done all of this, I think that someone should go in. <laughs> So, Lynn, we found out that the van was registered to Lynn, didn't we? That yes. is correct. Our our beloved producer, I think. Yes, going. I'll walk forward and, and open the door. Be okay. very careful. Be very careful, Hester. Okay. <laughs> so you open the door, and the <laughs> first back thing... It, back it away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the first thing that greets you is a waft of perfume. And... Um, the perfume, as it enters all of your nostrils, um, because, of course, olfactory memories are very powerful, 
um, it triggers it triggers a memory. Um, it triggers a memory. So all of you, all of you start hearing voices suddenly out of nowhere. The smell of this perfume, this sort of musky um, but delicate perfume triggers um, this auditory memory. And, it, and this is what you hear. It's actually your voices. The first voice says, what do you mean the door's locked? I mean, it's closed and locked. I can't open it. Wait, where is someone else begins, but is cut off by someone screaming. What the hell is that? A woman shrieks. That voice you don't recognize. The rest is a cacophony of screams and shouts of, get away from it, run. How do we get out of here? And then one voice cuts through the din. It is incredibly loud and powerful, and it physically hurts to hear it. And the voice says, do you want to live? And you all suddenly snap back to the present. This is mind-bendingly horrific. This vo that voice, it kind of echoed through you to your very souls. So what you see is everyone, everyone is starting to just kind of... Um, kind of get very shaky, agitated, get this feral look in their eyes like, like something awful is about to happen. You see Gil um, reach in his pocket for his gun and start trying to pull it out of his pocket. So now you'll see why Hester, why I wanted to open the door. So since Hester is actually going to open the door has her hand on the door, she is going to step in the room, shut the door and lock it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, okay, well done. Um, Self-preservation is always the most important thing in Call of Cthulhu. Definitely. So, so, um, so, Gil and Anton, you, you're both. Um, I'll draw the pistol and try and shoot Charlie, but it's not loaded, is it? It's not loaded, and I'll say, I, I will say that that is a fair enough thing, because I think your your mind has been so kind of broken by this memory that you don't remember that it doesn't have um, a bullet in it. However, um, as soon as you do that and, and the thing clicks, of course you realise that it doesn't have a bullet in. You're not going to keep trying the next no. round. So next time, I'll just hit someone with it. Yeah, yeah, pistol whipping. I think I believe Anton recommended that as a, as a thing, <laughs> didn't he? Um, <laughs> it's sprung to my mind. <laughs> okay, so Anton, you see Gil pull out his revolver, point the gun at Charlie as Charlie was turning to run, actually, and he tried to shoot him in the back of the head. Okay, I say, Charlie, Gil, where's the maps? Give me the maps. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I grab hold, I grab hold of Gil and I shake him. And I say, where's the map? You have the map. Give me the map, and I'm reaching inside the pockets of his coat, his jacket, his trousers. Just give me some map. Okay. Where's the maps? You you try and grab him, and you f actually fail miserably. Bear, I, I have not seen the gun, really. It was not in, in the focus front of my mind. And I grab hold of the, his jacket, and I'm looking at him in the face, and I'm just asking, where's the maps, Charlie? Kill. <laughs> Gil. <laughs> uh, Gil. Sorry, Charlie, do you have some hubs? I'm distracted <laughs> between the two. 
they, okay. they have the they have the maps. I'm I'm basically concentrating on Charlie so much that I kind of like just try to shrug him off and it completely <laughs> misses in thin air. I'm kind of like get off me, waving my arm backwards and there's there's nothing there. Okay. Over the other side or something. So the good news for you, Charlie, is you're now free to run. And Which I do as fast as I can. And I would say the most obvious place to run is straight across the interstate, isn't it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, as you're running across, there is a car coming straight at you. Yeah, so you see this kind of muscle car type thing coming towards you. Tell me how you do this incredibly extreme dodge of the dodge. It's, is it night time now? Uh, it's night time, yes. Yeah, this, this car's coming along, it's speeding. Um, he, at uh, the very last moment, Charlie notices it and kind of jumps forward, just misses being clipped um, and kind of rolls over onto the ground. Nice, nice. So, Hester, just over to you. You are now inside Lynn's room. Right, do you, I, so yeah. I've, I've locked the door. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do the typical movie heroine thing where I'm sitting on the floor sobbing. <laughs> Hester's not like that. No. But, but do I is anybody do I notice anybody else in the room? Um, you look around you quickly. Um, there's no one in there, but I'm not going to give you too much details about what's in the room because no, you're I'm in not, this kind of yeah. Right. No. She's just a real quick. If she doesn't see any other movement or any other bodies in the room, she's going to look for a chair at the desk and try to wedge it under the doorknob. Okay. To try to, you know, better secure this, this rickety hotel okay. door. Okay. Um, I'll say that'll take you the next round to do. That's fine. Yeah, that's meanwhile, fine. Meanwhile, outside, <laughs> we have the, the unedifying sight of, of um, Gil and um, Anton engaged in, in arm to, man, hand-to-hand combat. Mano a mano. Am I still going first? Uh, yes, you're going to be going... Well, yeah, can, let's say can, we'll can keep Anton, with that. Can Anton just be kind of shouting, if you're not going to give me the map, then tell me where Due North is. <laughs> yes, you can give say whatever. Give me Due North. <laughs> um, okay, Due North. Um, but Gil, I think that doesn't really uh, well, imp- well, impress Gil, you very Gil, much. Gil, Gil selected his target. He's going to run after him. That is true. Oh, oh, that's that's I'm, evil. I'm going to swat off this annoying French <laughs> and uh, leg it after Charlie. I think. Oh my God! Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, what, what's uh, Charlie's what's Charlie's move rate? Um, you're you're you've all got. I think you've all got a move rate of seven, haven't you? It's unlikely you would have anything. Yeah, my, else. it is seven. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're like super. Like dexterous, you, 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 your move is, is seven. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and catch Charlie. Okay. Well, he's had a head start. Actually, Hester's got an eight. Um, and Anton has a six. Has a six. You are <laughs> slow. I don't know. That is really slow. I think the I average am, human has a... chain smoker. <laughs> I, I am I'm always thoughtful and I always, I always strike a pose. Okay. Now, if I was an actual experienced and knowledgeable Call of Cthulhu keeper, at this point we would do a chase, like the, using the chase mechanics, but it is an entire chapter of the rule book, and I 
every time I try and read it, I, my brain just breaks. I, I can't actually. So we will just narrate this. So he's already got a head start on you of um, one round. However, um, however, right now, if you try and run off, um, Anton has actually kind of got his hands on you, even though he's not grappling you. So if you run off, Anton will be able to take an action before you get out of arm's reach. Attack of a opportunity. That kind of thing. <laughs> so, Anton, do you want to do anything? As as um, what what is uh, what is Gil wearing? What does he have on for clothes? What are, what what am I grappling hold of? Um, I I think Gil. We said he was wearing um, just a sweatshirt and jeans. I'm just pulling the sweatshirt off him. Off him. <laughs> so where's the map? Give me the map. <laughs> Okay, so you're going to try and make a grab for, for the back of his sweatshirt. He just slips out of your hands. And, um, and Gil, you start running now after Charlie. Uh, you see that Charlie has kind of, um, kind of tumbled over on the far side of the interstate, um, just in front of um, a, a, tire, a tire shop. Um, and he's just picking himself up off, off the ground. There is no car coming, uh, which means that you can you can get across the road before he gets up. Um, but you you so you're right next to him. You, you're just kind of you. I guess you've got your gun out. I'm going to try and rugby tackle him then. <laughs> um, so uh, he's. Uh, I'll say he's actually getting up and and starting to continue his run. Um, and you can you can try and rugby tackle him. Yes. Well, I, I'll say that because you've kind of dived for him, you're on the ground and you're prone. And Charlie, you're off and running. Yeah. I'd, and I'd what like I will to kick him, but um, I think my mania is taking over. Yeah, your mania is taking off. You're you're basically now running through the 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 yard of the tire shop, heading heading for a fence at the back, and beyond that is a is a large is a field. Um, that leads down to a stream and some woods, and you're just like heading that way. First round, you're you're evens. Second round, um, as you're trying to get over the fence, I'll say that you you actually stumble, uh, Charlie. You you kind of you lose your footing because you're, you're you're just in a blind run. You're not even taking yeah. care. And at that po- at that point, Charlie catches up with you. Um, and he's right behind you, Charlie. You can you can try and you can try and either grab him or push him or hit him or what, what would you want to do? Oh, I'll try and hit him with the with the gun. Okay, the, the pistol whip. I run up to him with my pistol waving in the air and take this swipe, which completely and utterly misses. I mean, <laughs> not even the same general area. Okay, fact, it, it hits the fence. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and I'll say we get through to about round seven now because you've because you you swung and missed. You kind of maybe um, did, you know he got away. He got over the fence. He's running down to the stream now, and as he's trying to cross the stream, he slips and loses his footing. Um, and now, and, and you can kind of pounce on him again. I launch myself and land, just land smack in the mud next to him. Okay, now this time, Charlie, I will let you fight back. 
because your your run instinct is 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 kind of finished now. So actually, you can fight back, and then you could get up and try and get across the stream as well. Okay, okay. slips and falls yeah. in the mud. Yeah, you you take a kick and you kick it. You kick so hard, you do a total air kick, and your other foot slips out from underneath you. You kick so hard, you do this massive air kick. Your other um, your other leg goes flying out from underneath you, and you land with a crack. Um, and your head hits a rock, oh. and you're going to take a point of damage from that. Um, and you are kind of a bit dazed. So, um, Gil, you now have another opportunity to 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 kind of clobber him as he's lying well, there in the mud, dazed. Well, I'm on the floor, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up. Okay. I just stand up so I can give him a good kick in or something. <laughs> okay. You are you're both covered in wet mud now. In fact, you're kind of half in the in the stream at the moment. Maybe maybe um maybe it might be better to try and actually drown him at this point. I don't know. What do you think? Thanks. Well I, I made a grab for him. I haven't got it. So I've got to try and grab him again. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm on the floor. So I've got to get up to get over to him. Yeah, yeah. But you know there's all that water well, I could there. Crawl, well, I could crawl over to him. And... Yeah. Try and grab him. I'll call over and try and grab him. <laughs> okay. I make a grab at him and some fish comes by and I grab that instead. Okay. Okay. Um, this time you can... Um, I, I'm going to say you gather your wits about you and um, and you can get up. He's He's not got a grip on you. It's all very slippery there in the mud and the water. Uh, so you can get up and... and um, if you want, now you got back. You got full control back of your actions at this point, Charlie. I run. I. I this isn't Gil. This is unusual. I'm, and I'm, this is odd. I'm, I'm going to run. Carry okay. on running. I'll say you make it across the stream, um, and now it's just down to to Gil whether he can get to you in time. I'll say that at that point you kind of grab as he's running across the stream, and you fall. You slip, slip back into the mud, um, and he gets away. And, and, and then a, about 10, 12 seconds later, as you're frantically pursuing him through the woods, you suddenly come to your senses. And um, we will leave you two there because I want to cut back to Anton. Ah, oui. So when uh, Gil ran off, I shout to him, you are the worst PA I've ever had in my life. <laughs> you are fired. You are two a penny. Tomorrow I will have another PA. From the corner of my eye, I see I see my friend Bob in the uh, in the, uh, the the reception, and uh, uh, and Bob I think must be by now looking at me, and I say, Hey Bob, 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 have you have you maps um, <laughs> in the reception? Bob Bob comes out and and um, he has this bemused look on his face. He maps, goes, uh, I need some maps. Mr. Quebec, um, can you can you explain to me why why your your pals were trying to kill each other there? I asked them both for a map, <laughs> and neither of them have given me the map. And I think maybe they were fighting over the map for me. Oh, okay. All they right. Both I guess want, that makes they both sense. want to give me a map, and I want you, Bob, to give me a map too. A map. Uh, okay. Uh, sure. Sure. Uh, 
he goes into his office and he and he brings you I'm, out. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna just kind of follow him, following him up the uh, along the path. <laughs> okay, get it as quick as I can. Okay, he says, uh, "Here it is, sir." Um, and he's looking at you with this kind of slightly worried look on his face. Um, Bob is, is no longer no longer in my vision. That is perfect. And I'm opening the map. I'm looking at the map in very quite detail. I'm looking very close. I'm looking at the legend, uh, the, the numbers, what they correspond to. I'm looking everywhere with this map. I'm almost smelling the map. But the, the olfactor, the olfactory element is very powerful with these maps. Okay, you zero in on the police station on the map. And you have this incredible compulsion now to go to the police station. Bob, do you know this place? <laughs> have uh, you been there? Uh, yeah, yeah, the the cop shop? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, uh, it's just down shop. the road. So it's it's actually, you see on the map that it's um, it's right, uh, it's, it's on the same highway that you're on. It's mm-hmm. probably uh, about a mile, mile or two down the road. Then uh, <clears throat> if, I, if I walk just right down there, then I will come to the cop shop, you say? Yes, Mr. Quebec. Is there a problem? Perfect. I have everything that I need there. Okay. Um, all right. Well, you look after yourself. Um, I. Um, Merci. Okay. Okay. Um, what about that? You know, as you're walking off, what about that CD? And then, but you don't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's switch now to Hester. Can I can I can I call to Esther on the way past the door? I say, Esther, you come with me or not? But I am going to the cop shop. <laughs> okay. You know, Hester's not going to answer him. Um, but by now, Hester is. We- by now, I've wedged the the chair under the door, and and so I'm going to take a better. Especially if I hear his voice going away, and I don't hear anything immediately outside the door, I'm going to start a, a better search of this room and looking around this room. Okay, cool. Um, it's an unsettling feeling being in her room and smelling her perfume, given what little pieces of memory you have of her. Um, her two suitcases are, are sitting neatly by the single bed, and her laptop computer is on the small desk. Um, everything is neatly packed away. There's nothing on the, on, on the table apart from the computer um, and, and the two closed suitcases on the bed. Okay, take a peek in the bathroom just to make sure nobody's in there, nothing's unusual in there. No. Okay. Bathroom is relatively clean for for this motel. Okay. Can't believe they gave her a better room. Okay. So I will <laughs> Yeah, so, so I'll go and open one of the suitcases. Or okay. We can open them both, but you know, we'll start with one. Okay. So, um one of them holds um clothes, toiletries and a Stephen King paperback. Eleven twenty-two sixty-three about the assassination of President Kennedy. Um, the other one just contains clothes. I'll try to, you know, I'll power the computer up. I, I probably don't know the password, I'm sure. But. Okay. So, um, yeah, you open up the computer and it is password protected. Yeah. You could try and kind of hack it. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think this is beyond my ability. Um, actually, on a hunch, I'm, I'm going to... Pick up the Stephen King novel, you know, and mm. I'm going to just page, I'm, you know, just kind of fan through it, just page through it really quickly just to see if there's anything, any notes or any, anything written in there or anything. 
Um, there's nothing in it. There's, uh, there's a couple of pages that have got like the, a dog-eared and, you know, maybe she was keeping her page probably. Um, but they, there's nothing particularly significant on either of those pages. So in that case, I'll, I'll just, you know, gather up the computer and, and, and kind of once I think the coast is clear, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll peek out the window to see if anybody, see if I see anybody in front of the hotel. You don't see any of your friends at this point. They've all gone. So you are a little bit um, concerned, I, uh, perhaps. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go back to my room and, and lock, lock the door in my room and <laughs> put my chair under the door. And, and then I'll start going through the files. Excellent, excellent. Okay, at this point, we will cut back to the marshy woods at the uh-huh. um, bottom of the field. Gil, you come to and you see... Charlie, just running through the woods ahead of you. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like gathering my senses for a bit, and I, I just call it, call out to him and say, "Charlie, where are you going?" <laughs> I just carry on. I don't, um, <laughs> don't stop for that. Of course, is, you wouldn't. Is Charlie <laughs> just going deeper into the woods? Yes. Okay. I think I, I think I'm going to try and recollect myself and wonder what the hell is going on and. <laughs> probably then just start making my way back to the motel okay so so charlie at this point you you kind of you realize that that gill isn't chasing anymore and and he's turned you kind of maybe look over your shoulder to see how close he is and you see that he's just stopped and turned around and started walking back through the woods yeah um I'm I'm still very wary. I'm going to stay in the woods for a while. I'm going to loop around, staying in the woods and head kind of north and around back to the interstate. Okay. I think I think Kill's main objective now is he, he's obviously in wet wet muddy clothes or wetter and muddier clothes. Yes. I like to go back to his room and get changed. So that's going to be his uh, his main plan at the moment. Gil, as you as you make it back to the to the um to the sodium-lit courtyard of the... or forecourt of the tyre shop, suddenly you feel nauseous again. Oh, another um, coughing. Yeah, and you start, you start coughing, and this time it's a rasping, a rasping cough. Um, and, um, and you're coughing and you're coughing, and, and this time you're in an absolute fit of, of coughing, and you, you, it's, it's violent, and you're doubled over doubled over in pain um, and you feel like, you know, you're spitting blood from the coughing this time. It's actually really unpleasant. Your, your, your eyes are watering. You're doubled over in pain. And when the, when the fit passes, um, you're kind of hunched over. Your hands, are on your, your hands are on your thighs, kind of looking down. And you open your eyes and you see that there's blood on the forecourt and not just blood, but there's kind of like chunks of matter, of like some kind of, of meat, of like flesh. Um, it looks like, looks like you've coughed up your lungs, part of your lungs or something. Oh. And um, as, you, as, you look, as you look at it and, and you're just like horrified by, by the sight, you see... Um, that it's got these little white, greasy globules in it as well. Um, it's got about three, um, just small, maybe two or three millimetre long 
um, kind of slightly elongated globules of grease. And as you watched them, wondering what on earth they could be, all three of them suddenly sprout these tiny little spindly legs um, and they stand up and they skitter away out of the pulpy, bloody mass of your lung matter and skitter off across the forecourt. You're absolutely horrified by what you've seen. And, and now you're feeling really, really nauseous. Um, well, I'm going to think to myself, I'm, I'm, I've got to get to a hospital, so I'm, I'm going to go and see the receptionist. <laughs> Okay. If I can get myself to a hospital. Okay. Because okay. we're in a town. This is, the town will have some kind of hospital. When our doctor... um, if you recall Mar Baker, she was talking about Clio being a very small town, only having a medical centre. Okay. The only hospital is in, uh, in she said, was in, in Saginaw. It's, a, it's about two miles. So, Anton, uh, you, you, you're walking briskly down the interstate when you come to when your, your mind returns to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, uh, I stop, I look, I look around me, I look down at my feet, I look up, and, uh, and I, I say to myself, I'm not in the right state to be going to the police station right now. It is time to change my pad. <laughs> and I turn back around and I walk back to the hotel. Okay. Okay, I will say, we'll skip forward a few minutes. You are returning back to the hotel. Um, Gil, you're, you're, you're coming into the, I'll say you're coming into the uh, forecourt of the hotel as Anton is walking back as well. Right now, Hester, you're back in your own room right now. Hester, we'll get on to you in a minute. And meanwhile, Charlie, you're, you're standing um, you've circled back round and you, you, you're watching from the other side of the road and you're seeing um, your, your erstwhile um, uh, attacker and friend, uh, Gil, kind of gingerly walking towards the rece- receptionist. Do, 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 yes. do, do I realise what, what's happened? Can, can I remember running after Charlie and trying to attack him? Yes, yes, you can. Okay. You can. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused at the moment. Yeah. You, you have no idea why you did that. Yeah, it's... seeing that he doesn't attack Antoine and seeing that his um, demeanour has changed, I think I'll head back to the hotel as well just to find out what the hell's happening. Okay. Gil, you, you, you go to the receptionist for the first time um, and, he, and he stands up and he says, Shit, boy, what happened to you? I just say to him, I, I need to see a doctor. Where, where's, where's, where's the nearest doctor? Well, it's eight p.m. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the medical center's open. Um, what, what happened to you? Oh, I, I would, I explained to him I was sick and this, I'm coughing up blood. I've got to, I've got to see a, see a doctor. We ain't got a hospital in Clio. Uh, we got a medical center. Uh, you got uh, urgent medical care. Um, you know what? Let let me let me just let me just call them. Maybe they're open. Maybe they're open. Uh, oh, that'd be you, great. That'd be great. You, you sit down here in my chair. You look down at his chair, and it's kind of slightly stained with like yellow patches. Yeah, I've just puked up white spiders, so I'm not going to remove them. Um. So in your memory, 
the, the horrible thing about them is they didn't quite look like spiders. They looked like maggots with 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 legs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's even worse. Well, they're, they're like those um, like those horse horse flies. You know, with yeah. those really thin, thin, spindly legs. Yeah, horrible things they were. Um, uh, so, do you sit down in the chair? I I, I couldn't tell from that. Response. Yeah, I'll, I'll sit down. Okay. And, uh... It's it's a little bit moist. Oh. <laughs> but, but I, I'm I'm quite moist as well. From... You are you, you are very moist as well. Um, fighting in a river, so uh, it's, I've, I've probably improved, improved the chair. I've given it a slight clean. Yes, yeah, yeah. and and you're um, and you hear Bob saying, um, "Is that?" Is that Cleo med- urgent medical care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a guy here. He, uh, oh, I don't know what's wrong with him. He looks like shit. Um, he smells a bit like shit too. But well, you know. Anyway, um, yeah. He said he was coughing up blood. Yeah. No, I don't know if he's a smoker. Are you a smoker? Is he? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says he doesn't know. No. He says no. He, he says no. He says no. Uh, have you been in a have you been in an automobile accident? Uh I'll say yeah. Oh yeah, he says he says he was. Um okay, uh are you able uh, they wanna know, are you able to get to the medical center on your own? Oh where is it? Uh it's you know, it's two miles down the road, it's in town, it's in the center of town. Uh I could try walking there. Or get a lift or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he says he's fine. He'll just walk there. Oh, what? Oh, uh, I'm sure he'll be all right. Okay, bye. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if I don't cough up more my lungs on the way, then then I can probably make it. Well, two miles isn't that far, is it? It's not. No, he puts the phone down and he says, "Yeah, they they're open twenty four hour. I, I I forgot about that." Um. They do oh, have an ambulance you. if you if you get in trouble. They said um, just come in, come by and um, and they'll they'll uh, give you a uh, you know give you a checkup. Okay, oh, I'm going to go back to my room and get changed then. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm probably going to have to bump into Charlie. You know, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll do that. Then. Well, as you come out, Anton is is standing there. Uh, I just say to him, Anton, I've got to get to hospital. I'm coughing up blood. Uh, I told you, I told you, Anton. you're fired. Uh, I told you you're fired, but I tell you this. I am just going to my home. I need five minutes to myself. I'm changing my pads. And then I can come back out. Full on ship of shape of the fineness. I'm going in to my room. And, and I'll say at this point, at this point, um, Charlie kind of emerges from the gloom. Charlie. Well, I'll say, Charlie, I'm sorry, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> but something's wrong with me. I've been oh. coughing up blood. Yeah, right. sorry about that. Did you bang your head in the accident? Have you uh, got some kind of mood changes? <laughs> oh, you two are so... You are insufferable. It was that weird shit that happened when we went in Lynn's room. Does, does Charlie realise that he, he had the compulsion to run even before I started attacking him? Um, yeah, I mean, let's say it was all a bit of a confusing freaky yeah but on some level charlie you just you were just running at the beginning okay. you were just running okay. because, you, because you didn't even see him attack you at that point you were already turned and running so yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm just saying i really don't know what's wrong with me i am um, 
I'm coughing up blood. Um, yeah, we were in the car accident. I don't know what happened. I, I feel I'm going mad. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm going to go off to the hospital. It's, uh, it's What's it's happened happen. to Hester? Where is she? Well, didn't she go into uh, Lynn's room? Well, I mean, I'm just going to say I'm going to go back into my room and get changed in some clean clothes, and then I'm going to go to the hospital. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of like um, speeding up a bit. <laughs> All right. So All right. I really think I need to go doctor. <laughs> okay, so you're going to need to probably have a shower and, and, a, and a change of clothes. I, I take it that when I run, I uh, didn't. <clears> take, I dropped my laptop. Ooh, you're lucky. I'll say the laptop is sitting there undamaged, just on the on the veranda. On the, could it be on the cigarette machine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. It's just sitting there undamaged. Mm-hmm. Well then, while um, while Gil's getting changed, why don't we watch this video? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get Hester. What could go? What possibly go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> Anton, you go into your room, and actually, um, it's um, it seems to have been um, I don't know, like professionally steam cleaned or something. Yeah, you must have organised this, or someone must have organised this for you, because mm. it is immaculate. It smells mm. of, of uh, fresh, fresh pine forests, mm. Mm. and uh, you have, you have um, the wardrobe. The wardrobe is is you have like eight of your grey suits, like mm. just all lined up in the wardrobe. Mm. Um, you have all your toiletries neatly laid out in the mm. in the bathroom. Um, there's 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 nothing of. Uh, there's there's nothing else of any interest in your room. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a suitcase full of your full of your Christmas albums. Is it now? Is it Christmas with Quebec or Christmas in Quebec? In Quebec. Okay, Christmas in. Okay, I got I got in doors open behind me. That doesn't matter. I, I just take off all my clothes. I walk straight to the bathroom. I pick up the new underwear. I I put the the pad on. I come back. I put the new suit on. I maybe look in the mirror and just do my air a little bit. And I spray the the eau de toilette on my on my neck. And uh, I pick up a CD and I come out of my room again as quick as I can. Whilst you're putting on your eau de toilette or whatever the hell it is that you use to make yourself smell so good. You start feeling this kind of like indigestion in your stomach and it builds up and it actually, you start getting stomach cramps and then you have a coughing fit yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you pull your hand away, there are flecks of blood. But it's only a few little spots and, and you're feeling fine, actually. I, th- I think it is the stress. So yes. I just wash my hands and uh, I, I carry on back out and pick up the CD. Yes. Did, did Anton see me uh, be sick? Oh. No, no one no. did. No one oh, did. Okay. Okay, so we will cut then to Hester's room and the info dump. <laughs> okay. So the first thing you find are uh, two newspaper clippings. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Cleo Teen still missing right. and unidentified body found mysterious circumstances abound 
clear teen still missing. This is from uh, June the 19th, Saginaw News, June the 19th, 1990. Clear, Michigan. It's been four days since the parents of 15-year-old Tiffany Jensen reported her missing after she failed to come home from a bonfire party at a friend's house. On Friday, a group of Tiffany's classmates gathered to celebrate the end of another school year, a tradition followed by many Clio teens for years. The party was held behind the barn of a farm owned by the family of one of the high school students, but it has become apparent that it wasn't supervised and that underage drinking and drug use may have been involved. It also became known that a group of kids that partook of another Clio tradition, scaring themselves um, scaring themselves to daring each other to enter the long-abandoned Cooper House. The Cooper House is a local haunted home, haunted house, where the notorious Andy Cooper went crazy and murdered his wife and child in 1965. According to one 17-year-old, a bunch of us walked into the Cooper House and then one by one, we had to go in alone, find, find something and bring it out as proof. Well, I remember Tiffany going into the house, and I think she came back out, but I'm not sure. A lot of us were kind of drunk by then. Both state and local police searched the Cooper house and the surrounding cornfields and woods, but reported no sign of, missing, of the missing girl. Um, Chief Wallman of the Clio Police Department issued a brief statement. We're treating this as a missing persons case. There is no evidence that the girl was abducted nor are we working under the assumption that she ran away. Right now, all we know is that Mrs. Ms. Jensen is missing and we are not ruling any possibility out. The second one is from 1979 um, in the Flint Journal. Unidentified body found. So, so these, so these, these are quite old then? Yeah, one, so the first okay. one is like 12 years old. The other one is, is, over, 20, is over 20 years old. Last night, the body of an, an as-yet unidentified man was found in a cornfield in the small town of Clio, with no clue as to how the man came to be where he was discovered. The closest building was a farmhouse on McCumsey Road that has been abandoned for well over a decade. Locals have begun, um, have begun to be questioned, but so far, none has, no one has reported anyone missing. Police claim that they are not ruling anything out, but they said that this case does not look to be one of foul play. One person close to the case who wanted to remain anonymous said, there's no way a man could do that to another man. It's evident the body wasn't dead, wasn't dead long, but there wasn't a whole lot left of it. Most of its insides were just gone. To, to me, it looked like a bear or something large and hungry got a hold of the poor fellow. When asked about the possibility of an animal attack, Cleo police declined to comment on the record. There is also, this one is from 1965, so even longer ago. Um, this is the Detroit Free Press, March the 13th, 1965. Murder in Clio by Phil Bressler. Yesterday, the small farming community of Clio in Genesee County was shocked to its core when one of their own apparently went mad with deadly results. John Cooper, aged 51, a farmer, war veteran, volunteer fireman and man held in high regard in his small community of less than 1,800 souls, murdered his wife, Edna, aged 45, and their son, Thomas, aged 15. The town sheriff was called out to the Cooper house in the early morning after nearest neighbours heard multiple gunshots coming from the direction of the house. By the time Sheriff Snyder made it out to the Cooper residence, both the mother and child were dead 
And according to officials, John had mutilated the bodies after death, cutting them open and removing much of the insides. According to Sheriff Snyder, Mr. Cooper was in the front yard when I pulled up. He was splattered with blood, babbling with tears running down his face. He was digging at the ground with his bare hands, cursing at it, and next to him was his pump shotgun. I approached carefully and asked him what had happened, but all he would say was, they got to us. Somehow, I don't know when, they were inside them. My Edna and my boy, they're inside me too. I apprehended Mr. Cooper without incident, and once my deputy arrived, I inspected the house and found Mrs. Cooper and her son in their bedrooms in a horrible state. There were several empty shotgun shells on the floor, and it was plain that Mr. Cooper had butchered the bodies after their death. Mr. Cooper is now in Genesee County Jail, awaiting an arraignment. And final one. This is from April the 20th, um, 2002. I've, I've changed the, the, the date of this one. Um, no Horrors for Local Haunted House by Susan Marsh. In case you missed it, our very own Cleo was set to be the site of a horror movie made by a production house called, from Canada called Seven Gate Films. The star of the show, the long-rumoured-to-be haunted Cooper House, according to film producer Trevor Cunningham, we had heard about the tragic story behind Mr. Cooper and what he did to his family and his mysterious death in prison, combined with some of the legends that have been in Cleo for years. And we thought it would make a great setting for a modestly budgeted directed DVD horror film shot in the found footage style. So we contacted the mayor and Miss Volker, the realtor who oversees the Cooper house, and we thought everything was a go. So we came down from Vancouver to set things up. However, some vocal locals also learned of a movie being made about our infamous Cooper house and petitioned, petitioned the city council to revoke the filming permits need, needed by the Canadian company to shoot here. Their reasoning being that a bloody horror movie was the wrong kind of image for the city of Clio. Um, proponents of the movie cited the boon to local businesses that hosting a film crew would bring to Clio. But yesterday, the city council voted three to two against. Said Mr. Cunningham, naturally we're upset and confused by the ruling. We never intended to exploit your town or any of its tragedy. And many business owners here said they were happy to have us. But I guess what's done is done. And we'll have to do another haunted house story in some other town that wants us. So there we go. Um, that's what you read, Hester. Okay. Okay, so I, so I read all this stuff. And, and I guess I kind of take that in the laptop and, and kind of peek out the window. Because I've still got the, um, you know, my chair wedged under my locked door. And I kind of peek out the window and look and see what I see outside. Yeah. I'll say that you saw the tail end of what happened in the front. You saw your friends talking. You saw that they were covered in mud. Um, and and you saw them then go back to their rooms to change. Okay. Or you saw them just heading to their rooms. Charlie, so what... what um, Remind me what you you wanted to do when you. I I just asked him what the hell he thought he was playing at. What what you know what's happening? What was that all about? I Gil? just explain. I think I'm really unwell. I must have taken a hit to the head in the car accident. I'm coughing up blood, and so I really need to get to the hospital. And I said, tell him there's a medical facility in town. It's a couple of miles down the road. I'm just going to wash up and then go down. I hope they've got a psychiatric department. Just like a pistol whip me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, actually, 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 I'll just remember I've got the 
gun still, and I'm going to take out my pocket and just say, hand it to Charlie, say, you better take this. Oh, nice move, nice move. Right, Al. Charlie, do you want to do anything with the gun? I mean, that that mollifies me, and I, I take okay. it off him, and I All say, right. you know, let's, let's get so you blocked out. So... I'll say at this point, Anton, you finish your ablutions and you come out and you see the two of them there talking to each other. Mm-hmm. In fact, let's skip on a little bit and let's say everyone's had their showers, cleaned up. Um, Hester, you, 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 at this point, you've seen everyone come out of their rooms and they're, and they're, and they're talking in the veranda uh, okay. in, front of your, in front of your room. Okay, since they all seem to be a little more calm and sane, I, I suppose I'll, I'll go ahead and unlock my door and so you know i'll, I'll go out and, and and i guess approach them to, to, so i'll come out of the room and i'll have the lens laptop and the and the folders with me and and say are you guys feeling any better i'm gonna say no i'm i've got to get to medical attention i'm coughing up blood uh, i think uh i'm not feeling so good oh my god you why don't we call an ambulance and i'll pull my my cell phone out and Call nine one one. Okay, that is the right thing to do. I think. Okay, well, I'm the so, same one here. I, well, I won't yeah, say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you get through to the emergency services, and they put you through to Clio Medical. Um, medical, and then and then about ten minutes later, you hear an ambulance approach with its siren on. Um, Could have been halfway there by then. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true um, in, in, in the intervening 10 minutes are, are we going to discuss hearing voices it's up to you I, I say did, did, any, did anyone hear a, hear a voice when we opened the door well I, I heard Lynn's voice but there was another voice too well the one well, asking whether we wanted to die yeah you you all heard that as well that's yeah true. My, my the voice I heard said, uh, "Do I want to live?" I think. Yes. Oh, is, uh, there, there is an yeah. important difference. <laughs> and so, but forget me. I'm what, just going mad. Now, what what we have to remember is that we are the supernatural fires. So the Hester and I are the supernatural fires, and we are we are we are telling the world every week about the reality of this strange occurrence. And that was a very strange occurrence. Well, that wasn't, that wasn't set up. That wasn't the sound man doing that. that was... So I say every time, that is not the sound man doing this. It is, it is a real strange occurrence. No, so, no. They, I've got, I've got we, footage we of, this, of this Cooper house with what, what we've been doing. What we what we're here for? Well, I think we should watch it. Well, we can. I mean, you guys know the. Do, do any of your, you know the history of the Cooper House, right? The murders that happened there, and and the reason we're here in the first place. Well, whatever you say, it must have been what we did in the research, ready for the show. But uh, as you know, we are all uh, hit on the head, and uh, we are piecing everything back together here. Right. So you know, there's weird shit going on. I don't think it was just that we were hit on the head. This is we're having the same the same hallucinations and we've all lost our memory. It's it's more than a car accident. Something's happening. 
Mm. I, I, mm. I think it would be Is smart it? to, when the ambulance gets here, if we could all get checked out, but we may not want to mention shared hallucinations or loss of memory to the ambulance. Uh, that that is very wise, Esther. So one one thing I want to say, uh, Hester, that little thought you had, that's an interesting thought. You know, was it? Because you kind of know. I think you all know on some level that you make fake, <laughs> fake supernatural TV shows. So the idea that it could be just a sound effect, that's an interesting thought. Well, well, Hester's the, you know, she's the rationalist here, right? Yeah. Well, I I think instinctively she would realize that. Yeah, so she is. I mean, she, so, so your memories are starting to get more formulated. So you, you, you now know you, you, you'll get, because this is something that is your profession. You're a super, you're a, you're the actual supernatural expert. You're the one oh. that... Um, now, whether you believe it or not, that's, that's entirely up to you. So you, you're like the... You're the one that does all the research and does all the... But you're also the kind of... And whether you want to be rational about it or believe it, it's up to you. Do you want to yeah, believe? Well, in that, yeah, well, yeah. In, in that case, then, then definitely I'll, I'll advise everyone not to mention... the memory loss or the um, shared hallucinations because I realized that in, there's a much greater chance of being sequestered and held away from each other or, you know, committed or something if we mention that. So, and, and, okay. and, and while you're having this conversation, Anton, I'm going to give you your full, I mean, I'm sure you know this, but you, you are a TV psychic, basically. Mm-hmm. Now, whether, again, whether you believe you're psychic or not, that's entirely up to you. Yeah, you didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> okay, While we're so, waiting for the ambulance, does Hester get us up to speed with the, yeah, um, sure. with the history? Yeah, yeah. Well, she'll, she'll mention everything that that she found in the files. and that um, Is she going to give the laptop to Charlie? Y- yes, and, and she's going to hand the laptop to Charlie. So here's, you know, I, I while you guys were, well doing whatever you were doing i i was in lynn's room and i sir i didn't there wasn't really anything in there except stephen king book and and this laptop but i can't access the laptop do you think you can get into it charlie i'll have a go okay um have you got the stephen king book with you it it's in her room i didn't i i know i know lynn sometimes changes her password a lot and she'll use something that she's got She's been she's been reading or looking at or something. Okay. I've told her I told her many times that she should not read the Stephen King books. They are fraudulent books. <laughs> As you're talking about Lynn um, and that memory of the perfume, you you suddenly realise that you know something about Lynn. You know you know things about her. I mean, beyond just being a friend. You, you feel like you have some kind of deep connection with her and mm. suddenly it comes back to you that you know her password because it's the name of her cat. Mm. And the password is Baby Bast, B-A-S-T, um, which is the name of her cat, or at least it's derived from the name of her cat. That's the Egyptian cat goddess, isn't it? Yes, it is. So you, it just kind of just pops into your head. Charlie, Charlie, mm. type in uh, type in baby bast into the computer. Just don't look at the fraudulent book. 
<laughs> okay, we'll try that. Okay, and the computer unlocks. Charlie does it again. Okay. Um, so right now you've got the um, the video file re- laptop. You've got li- uh, Lynn's laptop. You've got these um, clippings. Uh, the ambulance is, has just pulled in at this point. So do you want to accompany Gil to the medical center or do you want to let him go on his own? There probably isn't room for us all in the ambulance, is there? I think one of you could go with. Gil is a grown man. <laughs> we must we must discuss we must discuss the way that we want this uh, what we are going to do next. The man needs treatment. He does not need to be st- stressed with with all of the uh, <laughs> the discussion the production discussions that we must have. Yeah. <laughs> Hester would want to go though because she wants to be checked out. She knows that, you know, she's worried about herself. So she does want to go to the, okay. the hospital. So if let's you, say, if you two go, does Anton? Does your phone work? My phone is working. It's falling off. So we've got two working phones. We can keep in touch with each other. That is very yeah. good. Hester and Gil, you get into the ambulance and you head off to the Clear Medical Center. Anton and Charlie. You both have the laptops now? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. actually. Yeah. Okay. Then I think Charlie would suggest that we um, get to the van and use the equipment in the van. To listen okay, to so, so just, just to be clear, they're digital audio tapes. So they're yeah, physical presumably tapes. Presumably we've got playback equipment in the van. No, there was none in no. the van. Okay. It, was just, it was just peripherals. There was nothing. There was no actual machines or cameras or playback. You know, when you think about that, you're thinking, what the hell? Because it's not in any of your rooms and it's not in the van. And this is like your, the most expensive gear that you have. Like without it, you don't have a show. Well, Antoine, I think we need to find out what the hell's happening. We've got the video files on the laptop. Mm. Yeah. With no sound. Okay. Every, everything is, is, is um, synced in, in post-production from the, the DAT tapes and from the, and from the video. So Let, let's... Let's start with the video file. Okay. Have a look at All that. All right. So whose room are you going to go to? Oh, well, I think we must go to mine. I can't imagine to be in anybody else's room. Okay. So you open the, uh, the B-roll that has the most recent uh, date of the footage. And in fact, um, so... Are we allowed to have a perno? While we watch the... You can uh, have a perno, of course you can. Um, Very fine. (laughs) Charlie, here's a drink for you. Here's a drink for me. So the most recent date of of the tape is actually yesterday. So today's the 17th. It's September the 17th. Saturday, September the 17th. The the most recent video file is Friday, September the 16th, which is yesterday. And uh, you... Um, you open it up, and it's basically what you know, because you're in the trade, is B-roll. It's the um, silent footage, and it's coverage shots of the outside of the Cooper house, and various shots of the town in Clio, um, and various shots of the woods and the cornfields, um, and you scrub through it a bit. The whole thing is about three hours long. 
And as you know, it's shot obviously as filler, as background filler shots and establishing shots. Um, you would normally put some spooky music or, or narration of uh, Anton over the top of it. And you definitely remember shooting some of this. Um, yeah. Are there, are there any um, of the team in the, um, in the footage? No, it's all, it's all just filler shots, you know, pans of the countryside, uh, maybe some travelling shots, um, for, shot from the van as you approach the house, that kind of thing. But it's all just B-roll, all just kind of filler to be used to, to you know, at various points to, you know. I think, I think these wonderful shots would be very good for the, so the blue screen, for the blue screen parts where I can can speak more freely. Yeah, not my best work, though. Um, <laughs> let, let's yeah. move on to Lynn's, Lynn's laptop. Okay. So, the, the most obvious thing is, um, is, a, is actually a file that's, that's right in the middle of the desktop, um, and it says Cooper House interview schedule. Okay, let's look at that. Basically, it, it outlines, uh, as you read through it, it shows you um, the interview schedule. So um, you can see that you interviewed the mayor, Charlotte <coughs> Coleman, on the 16th, that you also interviewed the Grover family on the 16th, that you also interviewed Joseph Kennedy, whoever that is, uh, on the 16th, and it says masked audio only, which you know means... Um, no, obviously no, no video, but also that the uh, voice would be, um, you know, treated in some way so no one would recognise it. James Burke and Alex Romanov um, on, were also interviewed on the 16th, so that was all yesterday. And then you see that all the other ones, well, apart from the Baker family who declined interview, <laughs> the other ones were all scheduled for, for today, for earlier today. Um, so you can see that there was Chief Donald Matthews was meant to be interviewed at 9.30 a.m. at the police station. Uh, the next one scheduled was Lily Austin for um, 12 p.m. And that the, um, the most recent um, scheduled one was Vanessa Volker, scheduled for the 17th, uh, scheduled for today at 2 p.m. at her office. So that, all those scheduled interviews... Um, Theoretically, they could have all happened, but of course you have no recollection because uh, when you woke up in in the field, it was about five p.m. So theoretically, all of those interviews could have happened, but clearly, um, clearly there was no no one. Uh, Lynn didn't manage to update this file in between. And there's there's no footage of any of them, including the ones that happened on the previous day. Um, so you've scrubbed through it all, and there's no, um, there's no actual footage of, of any of these interviews, no. You see, Charlie, this is very interesting. I, I, I had this feeling that I must go to the police station, that I must look for the way to the police station. And there you see, there you see, I have the evidence that deep in my mind I have this, this drive to find the right place to go. Now, I'm, I'm going to search... To think more, what is the next best way to go? Can, can, can we assume that uh, the video footage that was taken yesterday is probably still on the camera and just hasn't been downloaded onto the laptop? 
That would be a very, very likely assumption because, of course, you know that that's your process, that it's recorded onto tape and then it has to be transferred. Um, there's just one thing you notice also on the laptop. And actually, Anton, this is something that you get drawn to. There's a, there's a folder, actually, and, it, and it's actually got your name on it. And it's got Quebec on there. Yes. Um, well, Anton. I, it has Anton. I think I, think I would like to uh, try my psychic powers at this juncture. Okay. Uh, yes, you're, you're, you're very real and authentic psychic powers. The only thing that really has any genuine power in, in Call of Cthulhu is Cthulhu Mythos. Everything else is just fake. <laughs> basically so if you have <laughs> if, if you have a cult like or that. you have yeah. psychoanalysis i mean psychoanalysis of course is a real thing but any kind of fake psychic stuff it's all nonsense until you gain cthulhu mythos i mean pers- personally i fear that you you can sniff around the door but maybe you don't see the door for the trees but you still sniff mm. It perspires, okay, so. but uh, nothing comes out from this, <laughs> other than uh, the perspiration. Uh, and, Anton, some, sometimes the seagulls follow the trawler. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you do sense that something inside that folder might, might be very pertinent to you. This folder, I can tell us my name on it. <laughs> I don't want to open it. It's probably full of dick pics. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know what I have shared with Lynn? Well, you share it with every other woman you meet. <laughs> the friendship was profound. <laughs> I click on the folder and it opens it so that Charlie can see I have nothing to hide. So it, it, it actually has got pictures. I mean, you can see the thumbnails and it's pictures actually of you and Lynn together in some rather steamy like some rather steamy shots do you in do you want do you do you do you want um charlie to see these i mean he's he's kind of looking at the screen at the same time do you just let him see them <laughs> okay you, yeah you he, he he's he doesn't see what these are so you, you you are safe however immediately on seeing these another memory comes back to you anton there you go i need to find more points of sanity <laughs> um you have a warm, sweet memory of Lynn coming back to you. You are in bed together. You have just finished making love. And you are in each other's arms. It plays out in your mind like a scene from a romance movie, complete with candles, wine, and soft music. Everything is perfect. You are perfectly happy. You are warm, content, and loved. Now we know why. Smash cut to a close-up of Lynn's bloody, tear-streaming, screaming face. The woman is shrieking in absolute pain and terror. Gore continues to pour down her face. Her eyes fill up with blood and begin to bulge from their sockets. And then a voice, inhumanly loud and strong, fills your head, causing pain due to its incredible volume. It says, Then you will die! 